never say die! Forty going on fourteen. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode one eighty-seven of Forty Going On Fourteen. I am Mike. I am Patrick. I'm Joel, and I'm Josh. And this week we drafted our picks for our cover songs. And uh, unfortunately, my number one choice was shot down. Though I maintain that "Let the Bodies Hit the Floor" is really just a cover of "It's Raining Men" covered from a different perspective. <laughs> I thought you were going to say the Elmo version. The one Elmo? That, yeah, the one that Mike Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> he did It's Raining Men? <laughs> <laughs> no, the my my Elmo Nine Inch Nails covers and that sort of thing. It's Raining Men. <laughs> Elmo, fuck you like an animal. Come back, All right. Shane. All right, that's going to be... <laughs> okay, good callback, Joel. <laughs> Uh, yes, and if you'd like to hear more of Elmo saying inappropriate things, you pretty much have to turn into this show. But if you'd like to hear other stuff, you could turn, tune into the Podcast Collective, where you can hear such shows as the Bo- Bad Parenting Podcast, the Coffin Joe Cast, Dating Baggage, the Dog and Deuce Show, and of course, the Rad Dad Radio Hour. Yep, and if you're looking for our older stuff, it, it is on uh, iTunes, Blueberry, Stitcher, and TalkShoe, and we are live Every 12 o'clock noon central time on Geek Life Radio. And by live, he means recorded. Yes. At central Standard Time. <laughs> why, do, why do they say live? I don't, I don't know. Because I wish I had a life, maybe. Oh, no, no, that's their shtick. It's not ours. They're the ones that say oh. live. No, if you'd like to call us and let us know what you think about live shows, you can call us at 708-NOW-RAP. That's 708-669-9727. And we don't have any voicemails, but we that have an email. That is incorrect. <laughs> We have a voicemail. Ah, gotcha, bitch. (laughs) (laughs) Well, while you're figuring that shit out, I'm going to read the email. (laughs) All right. So we got an email from uh, one Brian Farrell, also known to us as Tommy the Duck. So he says, sup, homies. Congratulations on show 187. You couldn't have just waited a few more weeks and done the rap show on 187. Uh, Oh, that's fucking clever. Why didn't we? 187 on a motherfucking rap. That would have been awesome. Yeah, unfortunately, I I would have been here, so that would would have messed up yeah, everything. That's true. So uh, as a side dish show, he actually enjoyed it. So uh, as much as I hate to admit it, Kraft and mac and cheese is a total guilty pleasure of mine. Growing up, wow. our parents never bought us any of the type of prepared foods. They were totally against it. For me to eat something like Kraft mac and cheese, I had to be at a friend's house. Perhaps because of that, I absolutely love this stuff. And every so often, I'll get a box of original, eat the whole thing in one sitting. Never the shapes. Those are garbage, and you get much less product in the box. See, he's very smart when he does the shopping. Yes. Uh, Any of you guys have similar stories? Something shitty that you didn't get as a child for some reason or another, but now as an adult have a guilty pleasure? Love. Sex. Uh, Tommy the Duck. Ducks to the front. So, uh, Okay, so now that we've gotten incredibly depressing about this, I think he was talking about food. Oh, Um, shit. Mine was going to be cocaine. (laughs) (laughs) Da, 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 da. I didn't get that at all when I was a kid. <laughs> Joel did. They had it in like silver platters. <laughs> uh, Damn right. Joel was born with a silver Coke spoon in his mouth. <laughs> Damn right. I'm trying to think. Is there anything that I, I mean, what I mean that I like completely gorge on now? I'm trying to I'm trying to think of something. I mean, there's nothing that I mean. I buy all the Girl Scout cookies I want now. Well, I, want, ah. I want a lot of them apparently. I 
Okay, you guys are going to hate me for this. I really don't like Girl Scout cookies, even Thin Mints. Yeah, I'm not a big fan either, dude. Have you had oh, all of them? At well, once? There's a, I've, I mean, I've had plenty of them. I, mean, I don't I just even know never... who you people are anymore. I uh, See, I, I could get someone not liking Thin Mints, although I love them. But like not liking Thin Mints and not liking Samoas, that I don't get. Yeah, just never... the new s'mores ones this year, and those are delicious. No. Hey, do we have a voicemail? Yeah, we do. It is from listener Daniel. Oh, there you go. Well, let's listen to him. We'll listen to the listener. I I, I don't have a board, so <laughs> it's it's like we're seven. gonna have to. <laughs> hey guys, <laughs> first time caller, long time listener. Well, you'll have to send that to Mike, and and I guess we'll fix uh, that post. He already did. Yeah, I already did. Yeah, it's on. It's. All right, here we go. Let's talk to Cover Daniel. Uh, yeah, he can't hear us. I mean, he will when he listens to this. Hey guys, this is Daniel. I'm a longtime listener since close to the beginning. Just finished your fighting games episode, and this really brought me back. Um, I grew up on the Sega Genesis, and I was rocking that even long after people had the N64. So uh, most of my childhood. I was playing uh, Sega Genesis, and a couple of the games that I really loved that relates to your show is one called a uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Tournament Fighters, and uh, the storyline behind that is uh, Krang makes these clones of the turtles, kidnap splinters, so you chase him across Dimension X. Uh, you could play as the turtles, Casey Jones, April O'Neil. And she wasn't rocking the yellow jumpsuit from the good old days in this game. She's wearing a, a martial arts whatever. Uh, you also had this guy named Ray Filet, who's a humanoid manta ray. And he kind of towers over everybody. That's one that I remember. And then this guy named Sisyphus, and he's a humanoid beetle. And I think he had a signature move that's like uh, E. Honda's from... Uh, Street Fighter just sits there and uh, punches things, except he's using the antenna thing and sitting on top of his head. Uh, another one that Mike talked about was Eternal Champions, but I was wondering if, Mike, if you remember the activator that that game was uh, related with, the activator was a body sensor that you used to play with instead of the controller, and it would sense whether you kicked or punched, and it would fight like that. Uh, you also moved around the game, sticking out your hand to the left or uh, put your foot back to block. Uh, it was pretty cool, but um, my favorite character on there was this guy that looked like a wizard. And uh, one of his stun moves was he used a glowing orb, and if the orb touched you, no, he shot it from his staff, by the way, and it kind of floated. But if the orb touched you, you turned to gold. And then the level that was associated with him that had a, you know, all the levels had a fatality. But the one that was associated with him was this big burning stick that they used to burn witches and whatnot. was kind of his storyline. Uh, if you got knocked in, if you got knocked down a certain way in that game, you got knocked back in that burning stick and you're, character burned and then uh once you were done being burned to the bone it 
showed your skeleton and then the skull rolled off. Anyway, yeah. I think he's done. It's an interesting sign-off. <laughs> so, but no, yes, I do remember the activator. And I have used, uh, well, attempted to use the activator in actually playing Eternal Champions, but only succeeded in making it, well, three people came by to help me out because they thought I was having a seizure. <laughs> um, it's, it, it, wasn't, it wasn't easy to use by a long shot because it was like, if you wanted to move right, I think you had to move right. You had to move, like move your arm to the right and move your, like you said, move your arm to the left. And then to punch, you would have to punch. And it was like an octagon. And the low and the high across the octagon is what it, what it censored. And it was a great concept, but just made you wind up in the back of an ambulance. <laughs> Did he say there was a character named Cookie Puss? I, yes, I heard Cookie Puss. I, and I do remember, the, I remember the fatality from that one, too, because you, you like fall back and you like burn at the stake. And I don't remember the name of the character, the wizard character. but I thought you just slowly died of diabetes. Cookie Puss. <laughs> You're calling the powers of the Beastie Boys. <laughs> magicians can't have Oreos. Aw, well, someone's going. Someone's going to get that. You guys obviously don't watch the magicians. Oh no! Oh shit! First that, episode. Yeah. No. Yeah, uh, been... d- diabetics can't have Oreos. <laughs> <laughs> Which, if hey, listeners, if you want to watch an awesome show on Netflix that isn't getting enough press, the magicians is fantastic. Um. So yeah, about that time. I think it's about that time. Wait. What? It's about that time. This week in music, movies, and TV. And here it is. Say, and Huey Lewis. Yeah, I thought he was gonna. I thought he was gonna go with sports. Because <laughs> it's hard to hear. Yeah, yeah, I just. I hope that I was hitting the timing right, but I couldn't tell. <laughs> All right, so Patrick chose the date, and and it is. This is an extra long tweet, by the way, so everybody buckle up. Awesome. Uh, September 13th, 1965, the release of Yesterday, the most covered song in the world. Oh, really? Yes. That one? I, I was think. I honestly thought it was Landslide. <laughs> <laughs> Which you probably said, like, number two. Yeah. All right. Music. Joel. Music. Everybody dance. The Beatles' number one album is Help for the first of nine weeks. No surprise there. Yeah. Good album. Yep. Richard like Melville that. Hall. Oh, sorry. Yes. I was going to say, I like the movie too. I like I the band a lot. We're talking about the Beatles, not the band. Nice. Oh. Uh-huh. Richard Melville Hall, born September 11th, is better known by his stage name, Moby. He is an American DJ, singer, songwriter, musician, and photographer and political activist. While he has sold over 20 million records worldwide, he is also well known for his veganism and his support of animal rights. So thanks for your interjection that I already put in there. I didn't read ahead. Shut up. <laughs> Otis Redding's Otis Redding Sing Soul is released this week. I totally misread that. <laughs> I read that as Otis Redding's soul is released this week. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great way to say he died. Thanks, Pat. I'm free. <laughs> hey, it's Soul Ghost. Soul Ghost. <laughs> Uh, that would make more sense. Uh, <clears throat> Zach Richard Starkey, son of Ringo Starr, was born on September 13th. His music career spans more than 30 years, and he has performed and recorded with English rock band The Who since 1994. He is also the third drummer to have appeared with English rock band Oasis. Oh. And left for creative differences. As everyone eventually does in Oasis. Is right. Otis Redding? Oasis thinks they don't suck. Everyone else has a difference. 
Oh yeah, he did die. Holy crap, Otis Redding died in nineteen sixty seven. Yeah, in a plane crash. That's right. Oh my god, oh, he wow. is Soul Ghost. So this was two years after or before. Yikes. All right, moving on to movies. The top movie was Once a Thief. That's all you need to know about it. Yeah. And Margaret's in it. Oh well, I'm sorry. And Margaret. <laughs> finally, I know about I was going to say, finally, card in Trivial Pursuit. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? What, what's her card in Trivial Pursuit? All of them. I don't know. When you play me. I thought I that was Anne Canfield. No, Anne Margaret is my go-to answer for anything I don't know. That's only because of Lowell. I think I want to see this, though. It's got Lon Chaney Jr. and Cesar Romero in it. Yeah, it, I mean, I'm it's in. got an impressive cast. And it won awards, so it's got to be decent. I'm in. But I've never Do- heard of it. Dorothy Dandridge, American actress who was in Island in the Sun, among others, dies of an accidental overdose at 42 on September 8th. And was later played by Halle Berry. Mm-hmm. Her soul was released. <laughs> the Beatles win the first of many Grammys on September 12th for Best Group of 1964. Hey, that was supposed to be in music. <laughs> That's like little tiny Grammys instead of big ones. Brian J. Singer, American film director, producer, writer, and actor, was born on September 17th. He received critical acclaim for directing The Usual Suspects, which starred Stephen Baldwin, Benicio Del Toro, and Kevin Spacey. He followed that up with Apt Pupil, and in the 2000s, he became best known for big-budget superhero films. These films included X-Men, the sequel X2, Superman Returns, and X-Men First Class. After the acronym of the week, JTGS, which is Joel's Testicles Grow Spikes. <laughs> How did you know? Everybody can tell it's the way you walk, man. I thought that was a secret. <laughs> what actually is that? That's Jack the Giant Slayer. Uh, he directed two more X-Men films, X-Men Days of Future Past and X-Men Apocalypse. I was totally and, uh, ready. When I- Rose ready for oh, him to die in that. <laughs> When I uh, went down to Columbia to to register and and get all signed up for classes and stuff, uh, he gave a lecture at the in the the hall because he's a graduate. Oh, this oh. was back when Usual Suspects was first getting released. Hmm. Cool. Yeah, that was in '95. Usual Suspects. Wow, that's a long time, man. That's a great movie, though. It really is. Kevin One of the Spacey. few Hollywood movies where the bad guy wins. Mm-hmm. Kaiser Sose is Kevin Spacey. Spoilers. All right, so TV. <laughs> the top shows are Bonanza, Gomer Pyle, USMC, and The Lucy Show. No surprise there. Uh, on s- September 12th, the CBS affiliate WCEE on Channel 23 in Rockford, Illinois. It begins broadcasting. Uh, yeah. I just had to throw that one in because of Rockford. For Who's going to make a joke about Taco Bell? No, I was going to say Rockford sucks. It, you're, you're not wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, we're in Rockford. Um, the Roastmaster General Jeffrey Ross was born September 13th. All right. So F Troop also premiered on September 13th. Hogan's Heroes premiered September 17th. Lost in Space premiered September 15th. And both I Dream of Genie and Get Smart premiered September 18th. That is a kick-ass week of TV right there. Hogan! Everybody, everybody was clamoring for a great POW comedy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> How how can we mix war crimes and humor? That's such a bizarre like when you look at all the different shows though, they were all completely different from each other, which is is kind of cool. 
quick. Get I'm the a- guy who's in the who's in the self porn and mutual masturbation to star in Hogan's Heroes. That was a great movie too. weren't weren't they pretty much all at that point though? <laughs> you shut I'm your all mouth about up, Margaret Eden. I'm all about get smart myself. Would you believe we, we got to do we got to do that show? We got to do a get smart show. Oh yeah, yes. they did remake it. It's true. Yeah. So also, Kyle Martin Chandler, born September 17th, is an American actor best known for Early Edition and Coach Eric Taylor in the series Friday Night Lights, for which he won a Primetime Emmy Award in 2011. He has starred in the films King Kong, The Day the Earth Stood Still, Super 8, Argo, Zero Dark Thirty, The Wolf of Wall Street, and Manchester by the Sea. In 2015, he began starring in Netflix drama series Bloodline, for which he received his fourth and fifth primetime Emmy Award nominations. You know, I'm sure I'd recognize this guy, but the name isn't ringing any bells. Oh, you know who he is. If yeah. you look him up right now, you'll go, oh, shit, I know who that is. He's uh, He looks like Dylan McNermott's brother. Okay. Yeah. Oh, shit, I know who that is. Yeah. <laughs> see? <laughs> I'm trying to see if I know who that guy is, too. You do. Yeah, I you do. do. I, I would think so. Yeah. All right, we it's a dude. Him in Super 8. We did Super 8 for a show. Oh, that's right. Okay. September 19th, in its 18th season on television, the Ed Sullivan Show was broadcast in color for the first time after 17 years in black and white. Wow. A really good show. What year were the Beatles on? Uh, literally one week before that, September 12th. Oh, that wow. sucks. Well, no, it's cool that he had that to pull out of his hat. I, I like that. Yeah. And last week we had the Beatles. This week we have color. <laughs> The oh, Beatles brought color from England. Pat, this next thing you're about to read, holy crap. It's like a freaking essay question on a college exam. Yeah, but it's very interesting. So I figured. I'll be the judge of that. Yeah. I see Kansas on, City, though, so yes. Moving to sports. On September 8th, the Kansas City A's were on their way to a 103 loss season. In order to draw crowds, the A's owner came up with Campy Campanaris Night, <laughs> in which the shortstop would appear at a different position each inning. Bert Campanaris became the first player to play every position in a Major League Baseball game. He started at his natural shortstop position in the first, played second baseman in the second, third in the third, left field for the fourth, and center the following evening. He dropped the inning that evening, sorry. (laughs) He dropped a fly ball in right field in the sixth, and in the seventh, he moved to first base. Campanaris' most challenging assignments came in the final two innings. When he took the mound to pitch in the eighth, he ambidextrously threw lefty to left-handers, and righty to right-handers, allowing two walks, one hit, and one run. Campanaris moved behind the plate in the ninth with two outs. California attempted a double steal, and on the throw to home plate, the runner's only shot at scoring was to crash into the stand-in catcher and try to jar the ball loose. Campus held onto the ball to preserve the 3-3 tie, but the collision forced him to leave the field. After he headed off for x-rays, the two teams dueled until the 13th inning when the Angels scored twice to win 5-3. Bert Campanaris' final line was one run, one stolen base, five putouts, and one assist. That is an awesome story. Right. That's why I thought that was worth the, the paragraph. That Did is you hear cool. how Will Farrell tried to top that very achievement? No. Uh, he ended up playing, uh, I forget how many different teams, but he was playing a different position on a different team in the MLB every day. <laughs> uh, how, did, how did I miss that? I knew he, like, he he had thrown out several pit, several first pitches before. I didn't know that he actually played. Yeah, it was March twelfth, twenty fifteen. He was to play every position for ten teams. Hmm. That's crazy. 
Yeah, I guess a designated hitter would be the 10th position. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was Cactus League, but it was the uh, minor leaguers that feed the majors, if I recall. Nom, 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 nom. (laughs) Not that kind of feeding, Joel. (laughs) It's not a ritual feeding. (laughs) Mon, 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 mon. They just lay down naked in in, in the locker room with sushi on them. All right, that got weird. <laughs> I'd like to eat off that mound. Oh, Whoa. I saw what did there. <laughs> Make sure you don't forget the not safe for work tag on this one. <laughs> oh, it, it automatically pops up on every show. We could do a show about Sesame Street. We're still getting an NSFW on that one. <laughs> Extra NSFW. Emma likes the fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Reminds me, we got to do that show. Yep. All right, the legendary Sandy Koufax, considered by many to be one of the top pitchers in baseball history, threw a perfect game on September 9th, his fourth career no-hitter at the time. An Elmo sex show? (laughs) Yes, please. (laughs) What would be the then? Tickle me, Elmo. The the conception of Elmo, I guess, would be the then. Elmo 2, Elmo tickles back. All right, this is a copy-and-paste paragraph from from a cricket bio, so here we go. Only three bowlers, Rhodes, Freeman, and Parker, we should know all of them, have ever taken more first-class wickets than Middlesex and England's JT Old Jack Hearn. A fast-medium bowler with a textbook action, he took 3,061 wickets in all, using guile and varied pace to lure batsmen into his trap. Three of his victims gave him England's first hat trick against Australia, at Headingley in 1899, spoiler, and it was a seriously illustrious trio, Clem Hill, Sid Gregory, and Monty Noble. Can you believe he got all three of them? Not at all. Wow. Hearn died on September 14th at 75 years old. That was a very, like, criminal-sounding paragraph you just read off. <laughs> <laughs> he lured them into his trap. Three of his victims gave him England's first hat trick. We think it was about cricket but he was actually just hitting them with a cricket bat no it was it wasn't it wasn't a game of cricket it was a riot i, I thought jack hearn was just a giant trapdoor spider <laughs> all right and lastly in this long twee vernon maxwell starting guard for the 1994 nba champion houston rockets was born september 12th this week oh you got I your rockets in this i got him in there i had to i, I was gonna say i know the rockets Pretty much because of Pat and because the only two dominant franchises in the early 90s were the Bulls and the Rockets from like 89 to like 96. Yep. Until 1999 when Detroit finally won. They were the only two teams that won championships in the 90s. Yeah. All right. Take us out, Joel. Okay. So this is, we came up with this a couple weeks ago, was the uh, the cover show. And all of us have, we have, we have, it's going to be a shit show. I'm just going to tell you that right now. <laughs> the show's yes. probably going to be good. Oh, no. It's going, going to be, be awesome. But yeah, there is. It's going to be. It's going to be because, uh, you know, we all have pretty eclectic tastes. And then when you toss in cover songs, it gets like one degree of separation outside of those tastes also. So uh, we decided to do covers, fa- uh, covers of our favorite songs. And, um, yeah, so we did a round robin. Uh, what is that? What do we do? Draft, right. yes. So we each got three songs and um, with a different, uh, with an original artist and a cover. So we're going to go over the cover or the originals first. And then for the then or for the now, we're going to do the cover. So starting us off, we're going, I put us in the order of the, uh, 
of our the intro draft. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, so not in the order of yeah, this. I got gotcha. you. Yeah. So I figured it, 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 we're going to go by the order of how we introduce ourselves in the, in the beginning of the show. Oh. <clears throat> so, um, I start out with mine. Not surprisingly, is an in excess song because uh, I yeah, got a thing for that one. But "Never Tear Us Apart" is by far probably my favorite in excess song out of all of them. So it was uh, in the United States. It reached number seven on the Billboard Hot 100 when it came out back on the album Kick in 1988. And I liked this album so much when I was I was 88. I graduated high school in 90. Uh, I wore out two copies of the cassette tape in the I'm time in that. Yeah, just that the tape wore through. So, uh, all right, let's um, start off with the Never Terrace part. We could live. So what do you guys think about that song? It's one of those that I knew I'd heard it, but I probably couldn't have matched the song to the title mm. until it started again. And I, yeah, I remember hearing that song and liking it. Yeah. this And this one's been covered actually a whole bunch of different times. There's a lot of, when I was looking up, you know, who's covered it and, you know, recent and then, um, I just think I think this is probably one of Michael Hutchins most soulful songs. Uh, this was actually sung at his funeral. Um, when they when they carried the uh, the casket out, so and um, there was something. It's actually in Aus- well, obviously in Australia, they're huge there. But um, several different uh, rugby teams. I think there's one specific one that uses it. The uh, them. This is their uh, one of their theme songs. I've never counted myself as a huge NXS fan, but I always like that song. And I think I've said it before, but every time I hear or see anything about NXS, I always think of you, Mike. Every single time. Oh, I love this song personally. It's a great song. I mean, there's a lot of stuff going on musically in it. They have the, you know, the, the violins in the background. They've got uh, Hutchins singing. They've got the, uh, the backup singers. I mean, musically and lyrically, I think it's a, you know, just a great song. I'm not saying it's, you know, the be all end all of music, but I mean, I think for personally, it's probably my, the best in excess song that they've ever done. And Mm. Hutchins really shows off his chops vocally in that one too. Oh yeah, oh, what do you what do you think, Pat? What do you think is there a better I don't think one? It's their best song, but I like. Um, I'm trying to think of the song that I. There's a song there that I like a lot, and I can't. I'm just drawing a blank right now. Um, Devil in the Sky. No, it's an uh, one of theirs. Oh, going obscure. Yeah. Okay. Well, while you're going obscure, we're gonna kick in with your first choice. Yay! And uh, this is Folsom Prison Blues. I hear the train coming. It's rolling around a bend, and I ain't seen the sunshine since I don't know when. I'm stuck in Folsom Prison, and time keeps dragging on. But that train keeps rolling on down to San Antonio. When I was just a baby, my mama told me, son... Always be a good boy, don't ever play with guns But I shot a man in Reno just to watch him die When I hear that whistle blowing, I hang my head and cry 
this is one of my favorite songs, period, like in, in life. Like I've mentioned before in other shows, I sing this song in karaoke. Uh, I think it's one of the best country western songs out there. I, I love the crowd in this song. Yeah. <laughs> Especially when they go nuts when he says, I killed a man just to hear him die. Well, yeah. Just, That's what happens yeah. when you record in prison. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a super old school country song almost made my draft picks for this. Which was what? Uh, would have been uh, Cold Cold Heart by Hank Williams, Sr., covered by song. Nora Jones. Both Ooh. versions are incredible. Very cool. That's a great song. I just listened to it last night. As a matter of fact. Cover songs part two. Yep. Oh, Have wait, you got... wait, the, the NXS song has disappeared. Okay. That's a good pick. Yeah. Is that off? Of, oh, never mind. Okay. We're talking about Folsom Prison News. Have you guys ever listened to the entire concerts that they put on there? Yes. Yep. Oh, it's good stuff all around. I love all the, all the, the announcements and stuff. <laughs> the one, the one when, when Johnny Cash is talking about how the water is brown. <laughs> <laughs> and talking about the security, you know, he's like, those, those guys are mean sons of bitches. <laughs> And that is a great song. I, I I mean, anybody who doesn't like Johnny Cash isn't an American, but that that's a just a great song all the way around. I uh, I mean, there's really not much more to say about it. Every I think everybody knows that song, and you know, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know a whole lot of people that don't like it, even if they don't like country music. Yeah. Well, John, I, yeah, Johnny Cash's this thing is where he's more. Um, I don't know. He's he's not as country as you think he is. I mean, he's country, but I mean, more not as many people see him as full on country. So he's a little bit. He's a little no, bit don't don't do it. He's don't don't. <laughs> God damn it! We, we will not allow that joke. <laughs> we will Fair. not compare him to Donnie and Marie. That is heresy, right there. His soul will come back and beat you down. <laughs> Worth it. <laughs> All right. So Joel's first. Uh, uh, one was, I want to be sedated by the Ramones. So that's the Ramones. Uh, this one, let's see, was on their 1978 album Road to Ruin. And the music video for the song directed by Bill Fishman was not released until 10 years later in 1988. This is probably my personal favorite Ramones song. I would agree with that. It's the one that everybody knows. For sure. And yeah. for good reason. I mean, it's, it's one of their best. I don't know. I like rock and roll high school myself. I just realized I've been muted. <laughs> That, 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 I think I think uh, Rock and Roll High School is a little too repetitive, like most of their songs. But this one is just fun. Oh yeah. Well, but that was kind of the Ramones thing. I mean, the, all their songs were under three minutes. Um, they tended to be repetitive, and it but one or two chords tops. They they just they knew what they were best at, and they went with it. And they went from being you know, these guys that were playing basements and, and, you know, just little tiny holes in the wall to being discovered by uh, Danny Fields. And then all of a sudden they're on Electra records and they're playing stadiums and they go down in history as, you know, this very influential band. And I just, I love the Ramones. I do. 
I think part of the, like you said, it's just a couple chords. Part of the the attractiveness of them is just their simplicity of the whole thing. You know, they're just if you I if you. I don't know why, why there's not a whole lot more like Ramones cover bands because it wouldn't be that difficult. Somewhere in my pile of CDs, I have a uh, CD that's nothing but Ramones covers. Huh. Yeah, and the, the the cool thing about it is the, the CD case itself and the artwork on it was done by the guy who drew uh, Rat Fink. Oh, so it's yeah. got yeah, it's really cool. Great, great album. All right, Josh, you ready for your first? Oh yeah. All right, yours is "Hurt" by Nine Inch Nails. Hurt myself today to see if I still feel I focus on the pain. The only thing that's real. That one went a little bit longer than the rest of them, just because I was trying to get the a good feel for the song. Sure, I think for me, a lot of people got into Nine Inch Nails with "Head Like a Hole" or "Closer," but "Hurt" was where I got on board. That this was the song for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this was off of uh, this is 1994's "The Downward Spiral," and this one received a Grammy Award nomination for Best Rock Song in 1996, but then lost to Alanis Morissette's You Ought to Know, which I don't know why they were in the same category. <laughs> it's Jethro Tull and Metallica. Yeah. Yep. So, but no, Nine Inch Nails. And is, no, I'm I'm not as big a Nine Inch Nails fan as you are, Josh. I mean, I've got Downward Spiral and I've got a couple of the other albums, but is it true that it's like almost like a, ro- it's, Trent Reznor is the main guy and there's like a rotating group of people that come in and out? Apparently, I'm not as big a fan as I need to be to answer this question. Joel might be. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's primarily him on his own. I mean, he's got musicians that he works with, but I mean... It, Is it mainly like studio of, magician, mu- mu- magicians? Magicians and studio <laughs> We demand to be taken seriously. <laughs> they can't eat Oreos either. 
but I mean, he, he is, I mean, and for all intents and purposes, I mean, he is nine inch nails. Um, I know I, I, uh, who is it? Is it flood that always produced his stuff back in the day? I don't know, but, um, I, this, this one, yeah. I mean, downward spiral is just a great record in general and I'm kind of with Josh. I mean, I, I knew head like a hole cause my friends listened to uh pretty hate machine a lot when I was in high school, but, um, yeah, this one is where I kind of was like, okay, I get it now. All right. So I, after- I, I think that th- those three songs are the only songs I know of Nine Inch Nails. Had like a whole hurt and uh, closer, closer. And that's it. Yep. I'm trying to think of any. Well, I'm sure I know. I, I'm sure there's others. It's not just the same three songs. That'd be ridiculous. <laughs> no. Oh, you guys probably have heard the Perfect Drug or uh, Came Back Haunted. <clears throat> oh yeah. Yeah. Perfect oh. Drug. I know. Yeah, I'm sure you know that one. But uh, all right, so now we circle back around. My second pick is Video Killed the Radio Star by The Buggles. Right, so uh, I love that song. It's a fun song. It's yeah, pretty, yeah. Driving with the windows down, singing that loud uh, by the Buggles, nineteen seventy-seven. A lot older than most people realize. On the album called English Garden, and the song's music video was written, directed, and edited by Russell McCauley, and well remembered as the first music video shown on MTV in the United States at twelve oh one a.m. on August first, nineteen eighty-one. Yeah, I think that bit of trivia is the reason most of us know that song. Now that it's not awesome, but I'm not sure it would have survived all no. the way through if not for that bit. And it was yeah. such a, a perfect choice, honestly. I mean, oh, for the first song? Yeah. Yeah, I know. It made, and no other song would have made sense. The first song I ever, the first music video I ever saw on MTV, the first time, the first day that we got cable, you know, we, my sister and I talked to our parents, like, let's put it on MTV. Let's put it on MTV. And they're like, I don't know. Because they, they didn't, you know, people were like, you know, music videos might be the devil, you know. Cause, <laughs> and so they turn it on. And, of course, the very first video is Fish Heads. <laughs> and, and they both look at, both our parents look at both of us. are like, yeah, you're never watching this. <laughs> and it never was changed to another channel again. <laughs> All that, right. That song makes me think of uh, Empire Records whenever I hear it, even though, you know, it's not in Empire Records, is it? Yeah, it is. Yeah, Empire Records actually features disproportionately for this show. Okay, maybe it's not. Oh, it's, you know what? I don't think it's on the soundtrack. That's why I don't know it. So, all right. So, Patrick, taking us back again to uh, "You Really Got a Hold on Me" by Smokey Robinson.
All right. So song. It is. It's a fantastic yeah. song. Uh, 1962, off the album The Fabulous, Fabulous Miracles. The single reached a top 10 on the Billboard Hot 100 pop chart and peaked at number eight, but it was a number one smash on the R&B singles chart during 62-63. And, I mean, pound for pound, for your music money, you cannot go wrong with anything uh, with you know, the sixties era Motown with Smokey Robinson and Barry Gordy. And just, I mean, that whole era just is amazing. That's a great song. Oh yeah. Yeah. This song among others uh, is something that I do think of uh, when I think of my uh, Canada trip with Sarah last year, she was asking me if there was any songs that reminded me of them. And I said, no, at the time, but hearing that uh, one of the full days of our trip, uh, we set uh, one, uh, an internet radio station to Sam Cooke, and there was a hell of a lot of Smokey Robinson on the Sam Cooke Pandora station. And that's one of those stations that you can put on and just leave, like, I'm sure you did, just leave it for hours. Yeah, any Motown station you can just, yeah. All right. I mean, everybody knows you really got a hold on me. There's not a whole lot we can say about it. Yeah, again, I, I think that's the, that's going to be a thing with the originals on this. We're like, yes, this is an awesome song because reasons. All right, now then, uh, Joel steps up for his number one is "Kiss" by Prince. From the print show, we all know that this we this is one of them that we love. Well, I actually wasn't on the print show aside from the intro, if people recall. Oh, that's right. And uh, yeah, it's one of only two shows ever I've missed, and even that one I missed. Uh, I still did the intro for, but I did. I kind of faded out after the first five minutes of talking about Prince. So I'm going to say something a little controversial, but not maybe as controversial. Well, as I'm building it up to be, I love Prince. This, okay. <laughs> this is, however, Kiss doesn't crack my top ten Prince songs. Really, I don't. Uh, it, it might be number ten for me. I mean, it, I don't know if it necessarily does, but I, I like it. I, I don't hate it, but it's probably in the middle. I mean, it, it's not going to hit the bottom because there are some that are that I actually don't like. But it's not uh, of his big hits. It's near the bottom of my list. Hmm. Act your age, not your shoe size, Josh. <laughs> Josh is 23. <laughs> I have big feet. <laughs> uh, this is actually Prince's third number one U.S. hit following uh, 84's with, uh, with When Doves Cry and Let's Go Crazy. Well, and I said it on the Prince show, and I'll say it again. This is my favorite Prince song of all time. Which begs questions when we get to the remake. Well, there's some context there. 
<laughs> All right. Now, Josh's number one or uh, next pick was or is Bizarre Love Triangle by New Order. So this one was in uh, 1986, the Brotherhood album. It reached the top five on the U.S. Hot Dance Music Club Play singles chart, which I didn't know was the thing. Uh, yeah, I was just about to say, that's a thing? <laughs> that's real. They're getting real specific. Yeah, uh, that's like a baseball statistic. Right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it failed to make the top 40 in either the U.K. It only hit 56. Uh, or in the U.S. Uh, hot Billboard Hot 100. Well, it's lasted a lot longer than any of the songs that did. Yeah, this is a song where I actually heard the cover before I heard the original, and uh, my ears perked up when I heard the original a couple of years after having heard the cover. So I want definitely wanted to get it onto the show so we could talk about it a little bit. Is that is that my fault, or did you hear that independently of me? You know, I mean, given that it was '92, I don't know if you specifically introduced me to it, but uh, I'm sure that we listened to it together. Because that Frente album uh that we'll talk about later um i i had that thing on repeat all the time and i kind of the same way i came to the remake before the original in this case you guys are weird shut up pat <laughs> i'm I'm just saying was, i agree with pat you guys are weird yeah and dumba i i however love this song and it's another windows down volume up yeah yeah oh, it's a great it's a fun song. Dance song yeah for sure all right. So after that, that I, don't, I don't dance to. By the way, what? Yeah, I won't. I don't dance. No, you don't. It or anything. Well, I mean, you you do something. It's I don't know if it's classified as dancing, but exactly that's what I mean. Like, goes back it's to best, the, it's best when he lines some things. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So the next pick, we go back to the top of the I order. Punch you. <laughs> and we're going to uh, people are strange by the doors. This one is mine. When strange, when you're a stranger, faces look ugly. When you're alone, women seem wicked. When you're unwanted, streets are uneven. When you're down, when you're strange, faces come out of the rain. When you're strange, no one remembers your name. When you're strange. All right. Um, 
This is off the album Strange Days, and it peaked at number 12 position on the Hot 100 chart. Back I didn't in, realize it went that high. Yeah. 1967. Can I just say how relieved I was that you drafted this one, Mike? Because it freed up one of my picks. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I completely had to put this one in there. If it's a cover song, it it this one definitely needs to be on there for many reasons. Um. I also love the Doors. I've got a lot of Doors stuff that I don't know if you guys. I, I never really. Listened, I don't know if you guys knew that. I love. I love Jim Morrison. I think I. He is. He. They're goofy. I mean, like this one. I was reading about the background of this song, and they were trying to give an a feeling of like British, um, like British theater in the background, which is why you've got that really plunky type piano in the background. So, very cool stuff. It's like a harpsichord or something sound. I don't yeah. Know exactly. Yeah. All right. So Robbie Krieger. So on, he probably just changed a setting on his on his keyboard. Yeah. What does so, this switch do? <laughs> you can't go wrong with the doors. No. Yeah. I mean, I I love the doors. Who doesn't? Zach Fermond. And Zach, Cantor. if you're out there, call us up. Tell us why you don't like the doors. Yeah. Slam the doors for us. All right. So the next one. <laughs> I'll allow it. That was that was that was good. That was clever. That was. That was yeah, he's he's allowed one per show. Round of applause for Joel. All right, so Patrick. Yes. Uh, he brings us back a little <laughs> bit further in time than I realized we were going to go with this one. So that is Judy Garland, 1939, off the movie Wizard of Oz. Uh, the song is the number one in the Songs of the Century list, compiled by the Recording Industry Association of America and the National Endowment for the Arts. The American Film Institute also ranked Over the Rainbow the greatest movie song of all time on the list of AFI's 100 Years, 100 Songs. This may shock some of our regular listeners, but um, this is my favorite movie of all time. And uh, obviously it being the, the best song in there, it's uh, one of my favorite songs. And I love Judy Garland, that poor, poor woman. Um, and I don't, I mean, there's there's not much I can say about this that hasn't already been said before by somebody. It's just a, it's a great song. She got a great voice. There's, I mean, if you if you listen to any of the other versions that she did over the course of her career, it uh, it gets sadder and sadder every every rendition she does because if you look into Judy Garland's life, it it really is a uh, very sad tale. She was uh, for for I mean, well, I don't even need to say for lack of a better. I mean, she was abused basically by her handlers throughout the course of her life. She never wanted to be a superstar. She never wanted to be exploited. All that kind of stuff. But they just kind of 
did the whole dance monkey dance to her and just pumped her full of drugs to keep her going. Oh, now I'm sad. I was going to say, we got so dark that I didn't even want to do my joke about great song, but not enough wheelers. (laughs) (laughs) Well, there's a It's such a a great song, and there's just so many layers to the whole thing. And I mean, there's, there's, like I said, it's my favorite movie. There's really not much that I don't know about the whole Wizard of Oz, Judy Garland, and the whole thing. That is one of your things. Sorry? I said that is one of your things. Yep. Yep, ever since it's I very, first met you. Very antithetical of the rest of my life, but that's my favorite movie. And his favorite character is the Cowardly Lion. 100%. I knew that because he would dress up as him when we were living together. That's no good joiner, M. He was like, <laughs> All right. Um, so then Joel comes up with a song from Paul McCartney and Wings, which this one kind of hit me by surprise. Yeah, me too. <laughs> I was not expecting that from Joel. Not a, yeah, not expecting this on this one at all. some people who hate wings though because it wasn't the beatles and it was such a departure but and i mean what you wrote in, Linda, you know pissed a lot of people off and what you wrote in here is 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 part of the the, the fun backstory of it mm-hmm. um which i don't know if you want to read it but no it go ahead it's all yours man came out in 76 and paul wrote it as a rebuttal to music critics as well as former beatle and friend john lennon accusing paul mccartney of writing lightweight love songs and that segues nicely into when you hear the counterpart in the now where the person that wrote that or took that song and kind of deconstructed it and turned it into something entirely different. And it it takes what's kind of a simple, poppy, happy little throwaway song, you know, and turns it, it into something else. It. Yeah. I'm sorry. No. <laughs> <laughs> this, uh... This song was completely off my radar, I will confess, until a different cover of it came out. Not the one Joel's going to be talking about. It was the cover of a couple lines of this in the Elephant Love medley from Moulin Rouge. Oh, that was what uh, got me to pay attention to the song when it came on the radio. I'm sure I'd heard it before, but Mm. it just wouldn't stick in my brain until after I'd seen Moulin Rouge. See, my thing is, it's Paul McCartney. Even his worst stuff is better than 50% of the stuff out there. Except for Ebony and Ivory. You shut your mouth. I know we've had <laughs> we've had words about this before. <laughs> well, I I I love Wings. I love Paul McCartney. Um he can almost do no wrong. But no, that's it. But Ebony and Ivory. Yeah, yeah Ebony I already said Ebony and Ivory that you know, but this, this is just a fun song. You know, I mean that's what I like about Wings is it was kinda like Paul McCartney uh shedding the serious uh John Lennon and just getting kind of 
just having fun with his pop music for a little while. Because at the same time, John Lennon is over there making instant karma and mind games and revolute, you know, doing, doing his, um, John and uh, the, uh, the ballad of John and Yoko. Thank you. Ballad of John and Yoko, things like that. So, yeah. And McCartney's over there like, fuck it. I'm just going to have some fun. My wife yeah. and I are going to make some music. <laughs> yeah. And because, and who's going to stop him? Hey, I'm, I'm Paul McCartney. Can I come in here and record some songs? Why? Sure. You know, like, <laughs> All right, it just now. so happens that I like money. Yeah. <laughs> Who doesn't? <laughs> All right. So uh, Astronomy by the Blue Oyster Cult is Josh's last and our, our final pick for the for the then. I have never heard this song before. Me either. I don't so, think I have either. Uh-oh. So. Wow. Here we go. I wish I could have played more of this one, but this is another one of those from this list. I think it's like eight and a half minutes long. Oh yeah. Yeah. This is definitely the most poetic off of a, an album that is just completely this weird high concept opera poetry thing. Yeah. Now this was I, from 1974 secret treaties. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the song's lyrics. Now this is kind of interesting. It's verses from a poem by Sandy Perlman, mother of Ron Perlman, the band's producer and mastermind behind their image called Soft Doctrines of Imaginos. And I lied about him, her being Ron Perlman's mom. Uh, In the poem, which was later partially released under the Blue Oyster Cult moniker in the album Imaginos, aliens known as Les Invisibles guide an altered (laughs) human named Imaginos called, also called Destinova. Destinova. Through history, playing key roles that eventually lead to the outbreak of World War One, so it's a lighthearted, poppy song that you can play at anything. This is definitely one that I chose because of the cover, um, and we'll get to that in the second half. Uh, I had definitely heard the cover before on this one as well. My one-word review of this song—that wasn't a word. <laughs> Close enough. And this is by no means uh, one of my favorite Blue Oyster Cult songs. Well, it no. might be top five, but it's not going to like bypass any of the ones people would actually know. And I, I can't say that I'm a fan. And I mean, I know the, the, the two big radio songs, but well, biggest radio songs, I should say, I guess. Don't but, Fear the Reaper and Godzilla. Oh, no, I was thinking of, isn't there another one? Um, hold on. Uh, Burning for You is the other one I was thinking of. 
I like that song. But Burn it for I you. could never it's say that I was a fan. You know it. I know uh, it. No, I know it. Okay. Did you know that the the tallest person in Blue Oyster Cult was only like five one? They're a bunch of hobbits. Yeah. Martin Freeman was in Blue Oyster Cult. <laughs> yes, he was with nice. Elijah Wood. All right. So there's our then. Yeah, and it's worth saying, since we didn't say at the beginning of the, of the episode, if you've been listening to us for a while, you know our normal dividing line between then and now is 1999 to 2000. We've obviously discarded that for this episode because so many of our favorite covers were done in the 90s. So basically, our only criteria here is either the original or the cover had to have been done in our lifetime, and we're doing the covers for the second half. Mm-hmm. So were you alive when it was made? Yes. Okay, good. Um, and if you don't like it, suck it. All right. We, well, sure. Why not? I do <laughs> like it when you suck it. <laughs> Wait, what? Let's just right. go to the break. Yeah, that's probably a good time. All right. We'll be back in a little bit. All right. We are back. And we're going to talk about the cover songs for the now. And I think this might be where it gets a little hairy. Oh, boy. Um, All your choices suck. (laughs) Even yours? Your choices, not mine. Oh. They're awesome. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So going back to my first choice was Never Terrorist Part by In Excess. My cover song of that one that I found was Never Terrorist Apart done in 2002 by Joe Cocker, which... Yeah, you know this guy. John Belushi. Yeah, I know. I was going to be surprised if Pat actually didn't know who he was. <laughs> we can live for a thousand years But if I All right, not the person I was expecting to bring up for this one. And it's also, it, 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 there's, a, there's a concert video of Joe Cocker on this one, too. And it is. I love to listen to Joe Cocker, but I don't like to watch him. Yeah, nobody I, does. <laughs> I'm, with, I'm with you on that one. I, I, I had it on, I was watching it on the TV at, at home, and the girls were in the room, like, oh, we know this. So what's that guy doing with his arms? <laughs> <laughs> is, there, is there something wrong with him? Yes. What? I don't know. He's Joe Cocker. Um, <laughs> uh, he, this is like almost kind of like that uh, little help from my friends type of thing. He's got a real soulful voice. I mean, it's almost angry, but I think he did a really good job in like paying homage to the original song in this one. Yeah, I agree with that. I love the rough edges he brings to a song that definitely... I love the original, but the rough edges for me, I actually prefer the cover. I, I like it. I'm not going to say it's better. Than, I mean, my, in my case, I'm not going to say it's better than the original, but I think what you said with his rough edges, I mean, it's totally, if you think of a rough edges singer, Joe Cocker is probably, you know, the, one of the top three that you're going to think of along with um, Tom Waits. Yes. 
I was going to say the pirate from Shrek. <laughs> no. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he did the Joe, voice. Joe Cocker is like a Tom Waits that I like. Then you're wrong. Tom Waits sucks. Tom Waits is amazing. I'm tired I never... of trying to tell me how good Tom Waits is. It's just not true. I never got the appeal of Joe Cocker, so counterpoint to yours, Pat. Well, you're both wrong. They're both awesome. Shut up. <laughs> well, Josh told you, Pat. I think he told you, too. I'm not Maybe yes. It's <laughs> <laughs> Tom Waits sucks. This is not the argument I was expecting to be having. Big <laughs> Pat. So what happened? Well, we listened to Joe Cocker and then got into a fight about Tom Waits. <laughs> was he even on the choice? No, I don't. Um, no, I mean, I, I like it. I it's like you said, I love to listen to Joe Cocker. I don't like to look at Joe Cocker. Um, but uh, he definitely does put it. I mean, he keeps the soul of it. I mean, the uh, it's like the anti Ariana Grande. Yeah. <laughs> he, he adds more soul to a song versus sucking all of it out of it. Um in the in the concert that he was in, it was him and backing with like a full orchestra and backup singers. I mean it was it was really a a, a great concert. I watched some more of the songs. Serious production. Yeah. Though I though I, I take that back. I didn't listen. I mean yeah. I, I mean I, I listened, I didn't I didn't why it's one of those, you know, I put it on and then I went in the kitchen, made dinner and didn't turn around too much. Um, so then Pat, uh, I'm sorry. Uh, oh, these are out of order. Are they? Oh, no, they're not. Pat's second what? choice. Uh, I thought they were out of order. I had a seizure. I'm back. Um, I was, Pat's- I was going through a list of cover songs online. Um, and I saw this one. I had no idea it even existed. And I was like, well, I like Everlast and I love Folsom prison. Let's check it out. I'm probably going to hate it. All right, let's see what we all think about this one. Yeah, let's find out. Who you trying to get crazy with, Whitey? Don't you know I'm loco? something about it like what i like i I generally don't care for cover songs um i think they either go stray way too far away from the original version or there's they're too much like it i think this is just the perfect combination of paying homage to the original song but while also being different enough to bring his own talents and personality into the song and i thought at first when the when it first kicked in i was going to hate the little sampling of you know insane in the membrane 
but it really kind of went well with the song and the backbeat. And I, I was very surprised to find that I really liked this version. So I went ahead and included it. I wonder if Mike and I are about to say the same thing. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just waiting for you guys to finish unless you want me to jump in. Well, see, because I had heard the song when it first came out and I like it, but I believe it would be a thousand times better without the sample from insane. in the Yes. Yes. I I, I thought so too at first, but I mean, I've listened to it like three times just to make sure I was like, no, I kind of like how it's in there. See, Everlast actually has talent. (laughs) And uh, the fact that he takes, his version, which actually is, is pretty good. And he throws that sample in there. If he, if he did it like every, uh, I don't know, every 30 seconds or a minute or something, and he just sprinkled it in here and there, it would be okay. But the fact that it's every single beat, it's just like, stop it. It's annoying. I think, I think it would lose something without that personally. I think it's a, I, I, Josh, I don't mean to, to shoot you down, but I think the little, that's a little bit of ridiculousness that I like in that one. I appreciate the perspective, but I don't know. I, I, it just, it didn't work for me personally. Yeah. Take that out or at least throw it in every once in a while. And it would have been a a good cover. Maybe Joel's got the right of it. Maybe you don't cut it entirely, but on every beat, it was, is too much for me. Well, it would, it would be too much like insane in the membrane. If you only did it every 30 seconds or so, because that's how often, you know, it was in that song. I will say when this one popped up on the uh, the playlist that we made on the Spotify playlist, I had to double check that this was actually Patrick's choice. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I, was, like, I was shocked that I liked it. I, I expected that it was just going to because there were several songs that I listened to out of that list that I was like, hey, no. And I thought this was going to be one of those. And, and I, to my surprise, I, I liked it enough to include it. I mean, this has got to be a really fairly commonly covered song. So. Yeah, I was kind of surprised that you chose this one too. But I mean it it it's it's a good choice. It brought discussion. So a conversation was had. Josh, anything else? No, that was the only thing is like I like I said, I have heard every song on this show. I didn't have to do a lot of prep when I saw your picks. So I was familiar with all of them and I don't think I actually actively hate any of the versions of any of the songs. So oh. <laughs> well, excuse me. Okay, I'm gonna before we step into the next one, one of the things that I tried to do in doing the cuts was whatever verse I had from the original, I tried to follow through with the entire verse on the cover. So you got like the full, here's this verse from this one, here's this verse from that one. So in some cases, it's going to get a little silly, especially when we get into this next one. Um, I've never heard of the Blake Babies. I don't know what they are, but... Uh, they're like the Muppet Babies, but it's you know, it's Robert do you, Blake. Do you want context before <laughs> or after the song? Um, I don't think context will help. Um, well, no, I mean as far as who it is. No, we? well, okay, who who are they? Give me a little talk about the Blake Babies. The Blake Babies is Juliana Hatfield's first band. Back when she was in college, she met up with Frida and John, and they formed the Blake Babies. It was about eighty six, and um, it was. They wrote the name is because of Robert or not Robert Blake, William Blake. <laughs> <laughs> they, they, William Blake. So they were Blake, Blake babies. So yes, okay. Julianne Hatfield is the key. All right. So this one apparently came off the 2012 epilogue. 2002. Yeah. 2002. Oh, missed yeah. that. Okay. 2002. <laughs>
All right. So that's the Blake babies. And this is not typical for them. I mean, they're much more of a, uh, you know, three minute indie pop kind of thing. And obviously I love it. I, I bought this sampler when I saw her in 2003 with some girls and I have it signed down in the basement. Um, but they took it from a different perspective. You know, the original is is very short and fast and to the point. This is more of it's twice the length and they're taking it from the point of like almost like you are sedated. Yeah, before uh, Mike and Pat rip into this song. <laughs> yeah. you know I, can, I can feel the train of coming. Hello, <laughs> um, Mike's trains. I don't think I'd ever prefer this to the original, but I appreciate the fact that they took something familiar and made something entirely different out of it. So, and I don't hate it. It's not my favorite of our covers, but uh, yeah, I don't like it as much as Joel, but I bet I like it a hell of a lot more than the other guys. You are correct. <laughs> I, I, I couldn't handle this. I, I mean, I recorded as much as I needed to, and then I turned it off. I, it's not my thing. I see part of the thing is like the, the initial song. I want to be sedated. They wrote about, they were actually writing about being stuck in great Britain. I think it was over Christmas time for a tour. And there was like nothing going on. They were in great Britain for the first, they're in England for the first time. And they got stuck in their hotel room watching American Westerns on TV. Cause that's the only thing that was going on. Cause everybody was, nobody was out. And they were writing that song about being sedated because they were so strung up not being able to get out and do stuff. Um, I appreciate the idea of taking the taking the whole idea of it and flipping it on its head musically. But it sounds like they've already been sedated. Exactly. <laughs> yes. Well, then it, it should be, I'm glad I've been sedated, not I want to be sedated. Oh, see? See? He's got a concept. Well, <laughs> no matter what. And that's fine. I mean, that's that's part of the the fun of these shows is that we're going to be disagreeing about things. And of course, obviously you knew I was going to love it. I named my daughter after her. So I'm a fan. name is Blake. No, Juliana. <laughs> Juliana Hatfield. Your daughter's name is Robert Blake. <laughs> it is. Ass hat. <laughs> All right. So no, I mean, it's no Joel. I know your musical taste. Trust me. It's, it's, and I don't think <laughs> you and I have ever, I mean, I think there's maybe like 10% crossover in between what i listen to and what's a very small to. venn diagram right yes. then they might be giants and some uh, other stuff random or, yeah <laughs> some random shit um all right so josh came up took the bullet, like you said before you took the bullet for us on this one um because it just needed to be on the sure on- i mean whenever they talk about cover songs if this is not the number one greatest ever on the list it's always in the top five Oh, yeah, yeah. It, it's usually either this or the man who saved the man who sold the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh, and this one. is. Man, uh, I think of that. God damn it! I thought you were gonna. <laughs> I, I swear, I thought you were gonna pick that song. Shit snacks. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so this is hurt covered by Johnny Cash. myself today to see if I still feel I focus on the pain 
the only thing that's real The needle tears the hole The old familiar sting Try to kill it all away But I remember everything What have I become My sweetest friend Everyone I know Goes away In the end And you could have it all My empire of dirt I will let you down I will make you So yeah, that's an amazing song. Yeah, I I, I <laughs> love the original and I thought nobody could do it better. And then Johnny Cash is like, hold my beer. <laughs> <laughs> you know, mean, you, you can feel the sense of <clears throat> regret and shame and everything, you know, in his voice in this song of a, of a life full of things that he wishes yeah. he could take back. Mm-hmm. You know, and in, in this song, most people that are listening, who maybe haven't heard it before would have heard it in the Logan trailer over and over. But when this album came out in 2002 and I was like, he's covering what? And there's just all these various songs that he did his take on. I'm like, I don't know what to make of this. And then we started playing it at the record store and this just, I mean, you hit the nail on the head, Pat. I mean, he just, it it was like, it was perfectly written for him to take it and make it his own. And this is one of the things that, uh, that I recall in an interview with, with Trent Reznor and they asked him about it, you know, Johnny Cash covered your song and he's like, yeah, it's not my song anymore. Yep. It's, it's all him. And it, it, it is, it's almost as if this song has been, you know, Trent Reznor made it and it's been hanging out just waiting for Johnny Cash to, to sing it. Yeah. And this marks the first time in the history of all of our shows when we've done a music show and the same artist has uh, featured in both then and now, and I can mm-hmm. think of no one better than the Man in Black. Yeah. Yep. Now this the whole also this album, the American, uh, the Man Comes Around, American Four is an amazing album too. So, I mean, there's very few songs on there that uh, that aren't that don't either are fun to listen to. That's sort of, there's a couple of those in there, but most of them is like, hey, you wanna you wanna feel what it's like to somebody use your soul for silly putty. Um, <laughs> listen to this album. Well, I mean, just look at his take on Rusty Cage by Soundgarden. I mean, there's a song that Johnny Cash is going to cover. What? Yeah. He makes it work. Yeah. Cause he, you know, here's, here's the music. You know, I don't, I don't even know if he actually even listened to the original ones half the time. He was just like, all right, I'm, I can do this. Read the lyrics and it's like, yep. All right. So now we're coming back around to the top. And my uh, second choice was Video Killed the Radio Star by the Buggles for the ve- for the then. And I'm going with Ben Folds 5, covering it off of uh, Whatever and Ever Amen uh, back in 2005.
right. I'm a big fan of uh, of um, Ben Fold. Ben Folds. Uh, thanks to Joel for turning me on to him. Hey. Let me know. Yeah, uh, my kids are now too. There's part of that small Venn diagram. I know. There's there's another one. Uh, my kids are too. In fact, we have they like to sing in the back, and we have specific rules about what songs are allowed to sing. <laughs> yes, um, because they seem to have an unhealthy attachment to uh, one angry dwarf and two hundred solemn faces, um, <laughs> which they will sing loudly. Uh, the, you know what I love about this one is it's. It sounds first off, Video Killer Radio Star is not musically is not a difficult song. There's nothing amazing going on in there. It's very poppy. It's very easy, very normal chords and you know drum solos and all that. Uh, it's like they were at. It's when I hear them playing this one, it's like, hey, you guys want to do Video Killer Radio Star? Yeah, give me a second, let me figure this out. Okay, cool. And then they just did it. That's the way that sounds like, especially when they're doing the the uh the chorus and falsetto and all that it seems like and what i love about it is that it seems like they just on a whim were like hey let's do this song okay cool and that is also part of ben fold's thing is where he will you know people will just toss songs to him and he'll be like yeah let's let's try that you know see what, see what we can do with that oh yeah and some of his covers are drastically different than the originals and some of them are just ben folds just singing the version that's already out there yeah, and this is this is Ben Ben Fold singing the version that's already out there, but it's it's that whole feel of just kind of fun goofing around type songs. Yeah. yeah. When I first heard this, I was like, "Well, that's exactly what it said it would be on the package." It's <laughs> <laughs> doing video, kill the radio star. Yep. Yeah. And I I love Ben Fold's five. I love Ben Fold's. I love his voice. He just always makes me happy whenever I listen to his music, whether it's the sad song or not. And uh, I mean. It's it's just a solid cover. I mean, like I said, it's not reinventing it in any way, but he really didn't have to. It it fit the mold for Ben Folds Five. Yeah, and and you know what? This may okay. This can sound kind of strange, but Ben Fold and Johnny Cash have this thing where they can do a song and make it fun, like "Boy Called Sue." That's a fun, goofy song about killing your dad. Um, <laughs> <laughs> a little patricide, never heard yeah, anybody. A Oh, but but at the same time, they can do the you can do something goofy like that. But when they want to do a sad song, I think Johnny Cash and Ben Folds doing a sad song together might kill people. It's Especially when you, what's that? I said it's called range. <laughs> oh yeah, I mean it's you completely. Know, by I'm, the way, do you know who wrote a boy named Sue? Um, I'm going to fall back on Chris Christopherson. Nope, it's a good guess though. Shel Silverstein. Oh really? Yep. Oh cool. Neat. Yeah, I was. I had on. Um, I, I I mentioned this on my on my personal Facebook the other day. Is like I was at work and I wanted some pick me up music, and for some reason, uh, uh, Amazon Music decided that I had to hear Brick Benfold's Brick Benfold uh, the Mister Jones. That sounds that sounds like a martial arts trick. Benfold's Brick. Benfold's Brick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Brick and Mr. Jones. It just kept the, I mean, like, I would skip it and it would be like, nope, you got to listen to this. I'm like, I'm at work. I don't want to hear a song about it getting fired. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I was like, I think Amazon's trying to kill you. It, it yeah. Is, <laughs> analyzed your purchase history and decided that you were a threat. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So after Benfold's, we've got, you really got a hold on me. From Patrick, uh, no, from, from she and him, not me. Ha ha. Uh, I was. I thought you had talent there for a moment. Um, it's from she and him. Yeah, covering like, Smokey Robinson, the miracles. Like Zooey Deschanel would ever pay attention to Pat. Oh, oh. 
Well, I'm sure she would for a moment, and then she would walk away. One of these days, she's going to return a hair doll back to me. I know it. (laughs) (laughs) On that note, here we go. That's really good stuff. Yeah. I, and this is one of the rare songs that I actually prefer the a live version versus a studio version. I could see that. Say what you want about Zoe Deschanel as an actress, but she's got one hell of a voice. Yeah. I was um, really surprised. I, I go out of my way to hear her covers ever since I heard her and Joseph Gordon-Levitt do What Are You Doing New Year's Eve a few years ago. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, I've been a big fan of hers, like her entire catalog, her movies, her uh, her singing, everything. Uh, pretty much her entire career, I've I've followed her for a long time, and I uh, until Good Girl, which is just not very good. It's not a good show. New Girl, hipster. New Girl, yeah, New Girl. Sorry, it gets better after the. You have to watch a couple seasons, but uh, it got much better. I stopped watching it after like four episodes. I was like, oh, this is tripe. Oh, you need to keep watching because it gets much better. Um, you know, the thing with she and him is that. Uh, the music isn't going to change the world and sometimes it gets a little bit it's a little flat and i don't mean musically i just mean the music itself doesn't do a lot it's but yeah they're, they're not they're not exploring boundaries or anything they're just making good covers yeah yeah i mean i bought i bought their um christmas album and i enjoy listening to it but it's one of those things where it's like it just doesn't have a lot of levels to it but she's yeah she's a very talented woman in general and uh yeah i mean that's that's a great song for her i'm I'm not trying to shit on one of your favorite artists i'm really not but i mean that's honestly exactly how i feel about juliana hatfield and there's nothing wrong with that i i I just i think she's good but i don't think there's anything special about her and And, you know and i'm the opposite way about zoe so i you know two sides of the same coin that's the thing about music there's something for everybody and everybody's passionate about what they love uh patrick's all bumped up on goofers thank you (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> for that <laughs> well we were at that show together so yep. juliana hatfield quote all right all right so after this we've got here we go mm. so tom jones got his panties in a wad which probably was a lot of panties um yeah. and decided that he needed to cover a bunch of songs and one of which was kiss that he did with the art of noise you don't have to be beautiful to turn me on I just need your body baby from dusk till dawn you don't need experience to turn me out you just leave it all up to me I'll show you what it's all about you don't have to be rich to be my girl. 
Cheers. I'm not saying I don't like Samja. I am. Tom Jones is like the drunk uncle at Easter. <laughs> and I don't want to hear that drunk uncle sing. <clears throat> no, because it's one of those like, oh, God, he, he he's on karaoke now. I don't know why you would have karaoke at the Easter party, maybe New Year's or something like that. But he's like the he's the, oh, you know, drunk uncle. Oh, God, here he goes again for the you know, he's reliving the time he was in a garage band for a couple of months. And, you know, when he was in college, you know, it's but um, so. So tell me why you like this one, Joel. <laughs> I don't actually. Um, the 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 reason that I chose this, well, number one is so I could use Prince's kiss. But um, when this came out, my my mom, her husband, is like the uber Tom Jones fan. Like to a weird level, he loves Tom Jones. And so when this came out, she's like, "Have you heard Tom Jones's version of Kiss?" I'm like, "Uh, no." And so she played it for me, and I was like, "So that happened." Yeah. <laughs> um, Have you seen the video? It's worse than the song. Yes, I was. I was actually watching it in the background. I've been kind of playing the songs that I in the background, just to kind of familiarize since I can having a hard time hearing them. And uh, I, yeah, I, I don't care for it, but it's it. He did kind of make it his own, but at the same time, it's still the same song. See, that, this is weird because I'm the only one who likes it, and I didn't pick it. <laughs> and it's not that I think it's amazing. It's that he makes it so much his own is it feels like an alternate past where Prince somehow covered him. It so feels like something he would have recorded back in his heyday that I actually, I don't want to say I love it on like ironically, but like I appreciate how much it fits with the whole Tom Jones thing. And I don't hate the whole Tom Jones thing. So I kind of like this. I don't. I mean, I don't hate Tom Jones when he stays in his wheelhouse, but when he tries to like you know do something that is like you know I don't know more serious, I guess it's. I just I don't know. Like I I I don't like Tom Jones's Tom Jones's voice. First of all, it's way too much vibrato and just I don't think he his voice is very powerful. And, and I just I don't know. I mean, stick to what's new, Pussycat, and stop ruining good songs. I don't get my stepdad's fascination with Tom Jones, but again, music is a very personal thing. And if he loves it, I support that fully. I just, I never got, especially this take on it. Just don't get it. So there. Maribel. All right. Now, this is the cover that Josh heard before hearing the original. This is Bizarre Love Triangle by F- Frente. You have to shout it. Is that you have to shout it? Frente. Frente. <laughs> All right. Here we go. Every time I think of you, I get a shot right through into a bolt of blue. It's no problem of mine, but it's a problem I find. Living a life that I can't leave behind There's no sense in telling me The wisdom of a fool won't set you free But that's the way that it goes And it's what nobody knows And every day my confusion grows Every time I see you falling I get down on my knees and pray I'm waiting for that fire 
Okay, I'll go first. Um, okay. As opposed to the Blake Baby's like slowed down and reworked version of I Want to Be Sedated, I actually like this slowed down, reworked version of a dance song. I think she, I think she's got a, a, a nice, cute, solid voice. I don't think she, you know her voice is anything overly special, which is why she hasn't really done anything other than being in Frente. But this this version doesn't bother me as much as the I Want to Be Sedated version does. Yeah, when I first heard this, everything from the uh, slight hint of her Australian accent to the fact that I'd never heard it as a dance song before, like this one captured me immediately. So I was excited when I heard that there was an original and it was so different. This is in that same vein as um, uh, Mad World. Yeah, I could hear it's just, yeah. I could hear that. And plus like you guys at least Joel knows that I am actually into Australian folk rock. The Waifs is one of my favorite bands, and I didn't discover The Waifs until years after I discovered Frente, and it's got kind of the same thing going on here. Yeah. Well, and, oh, good. Oh, I was just going to say and and to point out, you know, how popular this was. I mean, it peaked at 49 on the Billboard Hot 100 in 94 when it came out and so, I mean, there's there's definitely something to it that caught people's ears, and it may be the fact that it was a cover of a song that is kind of beloved. But I agree with all of what you're saying. That uh, yeah, it's it's a it's a very nice different take on a song that we all know. I think part of it is that the as the dance and poppy version from the original, but I think it does say something to the lyrics to being able to be converted from a pop dance hit into uh, acoustic guitar sort of ballad, you know, that there's something at root very good with the, very good with the song and that, that it can jump from genre to genre that way. Or I may just be blowing smoke up my ass. (laughs) (laughs) No, I thought somebody was going to say something. (laughs) I don't think any of us, like if any of us had disagreed, we would have jumped in. That's you hit the nail on that there. No, I'm going to take what you said just now, and I'm going to apply that to my last song when we get there. Because that's is, it, is, the, is the, t- the the name of the album actually Marvin the album? Yes. Okay. Yeah. So uh, going back to People Are Strange from the Doors was redone by Echo and the Bunnymen on one of the best soundtracks for a movie made, uh, The Lost Boys, released in 87. And this is the bullet that I took so Josh can take uh, Johnny Cash doing Hurt. Here we go. People are strange when you're a stranger. Faces look ugly when you're alone. Women seem wicked when you're unwanted. The streets are under when you're down, when you're strange. Faces come out of the rain when you're strange. No one remembers your name when you're strange. This song is on every road trip mix that I've ever made. Really? Yeah. Interesting. I just love this soundtrack so much. This soundtrack was one of the most important albums of my childhood. <laughs> mm-hmm. I think this is one of those that Josh and I are a hundred percent on and give me any song, even the, even to the, to the uh, tuna sweet Marie or whatever the, the calliope music on there. I'll listen to that too. Um, yeah, it's, a great, it's a great soundtrack. 
Yeah, and this is one of two uh, big covers on the soundtrack. I don't know if you guys remember the other one. It's uh, Roger Daltrey's version of Don't Let the Sun yes. Go Down on Me. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's another amazingly good good cover also. Um, I just look, what I like about it is that Echo and the Bunnymen, one, it was kind of a weird take on them. You can't, because they were this new wave, lips like sugar, uh, that sort of thing. That's like, Love been, yeah, it's a, it is a great song, but I, I mean, to hear them do, you know, okay, when this came out, they're doing the doors. Okay. And again, it's that oh, odd, but yeah, it's, it's one of those things where you're like, okay, that's brave. Like when somebody covers a queen song. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, how much better can you make it? And I think they, I think while the Doors version has its own char- characteristics and charm to it, I think this one's just, t- they made it just t- a little bit tighter. I agree. The, I, I prefer this version of the song. I like them both, but I give the edge to the Echo and the Bunnyman cover. This is one of those songs that I heard this version before I heard the Doors version. Really? Yeah. Wow. I, I mean, I, I saw the Lost Boys when it was released in the theater. And I heard the song, and then it was like a couple years later when I got into the doors. I was like, like, oh, they covered this. Oh, wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> and the other thing is, every time I hear this song, my head starts immediately going through the montage of people at the beginning of the movie. Also, I every single time I see that dude with the with the wearing the cowl carrying the rat, so or the guy with the saxophone and the ripped muscles. He now, still believes, you know. Okay, two cool things about that guy. That is actually the musician that sang that sings it. That's what he looks like. Yeah. And in the new Lost Boys uh comic book, he's like a hunter. <laughs> he's like I forget what they call him. They they call him like the believer or something like that. Something incredibly stupid. But well, that very why he's so cut. Yeah. I'm a, yeah. Uh, I used that song as the backing uh track to a promotional video for my Christian high school. That was used. Uh, it was from my video production class, and they ended up using it. <laughs> All right. So, Patrick. Yes. I think there's only one cover of this song outside of Kermit the Frog that could possibly be followed up by uh, the original um, Over the Rainbow. So. Okay, this one's for Gabby. Take the name. 
<laughs> Israel, comma, Kawaleoi. Yeah, that's pretty close. That's, that's not, not too bad, yeah. Yeah. He's yeah. uh, known as Iz, uh, a Hawaiian giant, big Samoan guy with a tiny little ukulele. Um, basically, he was the most popular guy in Hawaii since Don Ho, as far as like, you know, just a singer, entertainer. Died at a very young age. I think he was 32 and was only one of uh, three people ever to be interred at uh, the state capitol. And like 10,000 people came to see him, see his casket after he died. It was 30, he was 38. You were 38. close. Yeah. <clears throat> and just, I, I think this is, you know, like I said earlier, a, a cover either needs to be true to the original or completely different. And I think, and, and this is obviously just completely different. Like, whereas the, the original over the rainbow by Judy Garland is full of, you know, angst and like a longing to be somewhere else. This is just like a, like a fun, upbeat, you know, just really well done cover. I like it a lot. Not as much as I like the original, but I do like it a lot. This is another one where uh, at the record store, everybody was coming in clamoring for this thing. And uh, uh, we we couldn't keep it in stock because everybody wanted to hear it. And I was just reading about this and it said that the version of the song was recorded in 88. It was one take. He called people in the studio at 3 a.m., sat down, played it, and that was it. Hmm. That's all mm-hmm. she wrote. And that that just is kind of the uh, antithesis of what a great song is, is if you know you can take something and, and just do it like that, and it's such a huge hit. I mean, then you know you've got something special. Well, and also when 10,000 people show up for your, for your funeral, um, he was he really... Right. <laughs> oh, well, yeah, part of it, he was very big into... Uh, uh, Hawaiian rights, you know, he was he was very outspoken on, you know, the the um, people of Hawaii keeping their heritage and keeping their land and that sort of thing. So it's I mean he very respected man. So yeah, I'm just glad to encounter this song in a less sad than usual context because it's such a beautiful song and it's usually set to some video that's super super sad. Yeah, like Sarah McLaughlin's Angel. Oh, toss this one out there. <laughs> Um, what was the first time this one was uh, set on TV? It was a commercial, wasn't it? Like a car commercial or something? Yeah, it was for uh, Toys.com. Oh. Uh, yeah. So, but, no, it, it's, again, great song. I mean, you, it's it's another one, like I agree with you, Pat. It's, you're taking a almost perfect song and trying to copy it. This is, you know, and he, he put his own spin on it. He, and it fits. I mean, the somewhere over the rainbow with the ukulele and his voice just meshes perfectly. Yeah, I agree. And I will say it is incredibly difficult to play because I've got a ukulele and I was like, Oh man, I totally want to learn how to play this. Oh my God. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, speaking of fun and happy songs, So Joel chose earlier. Nope, not Joel. This one's one of mine. No. Oh, oh shit. I'm jumping ahead. I missed some oh, yeah. of the love songs. Yeah, I no, no, yeah. Okay, let's That's, jump ahead. Let's hey, it. let's keep going. Let's go. No, Joel, um, let's not skip Red House Painter. I'm kidding, Joel. Uh, that's all right. We're going to go. So Joel decided he's very much into the covers that are opposite of what the song was originally intended. So I don't, I listened to the song. For five and a half minutes before I reach well, the point where I'm like, when, at five and a half minutes. Well, that's the thing is like about five and a half minutes. I'm like, I don't think he's going to start singing. I think Joel is punking me. It's I think only he's like, minutes long. Stop it. It's what? 11, it's 11 and a, minutes. It's 11 minutes. The total song is 11, 11 and a half minutes long, Joel. 
I got five minutes into it and I'm like, he, this is, this is, I almost had to double check with you. And then he was like, oh, wait, no, here, I think I hear a voice. I was trying to make you think that you stopped listening too soon. You're right. <laughs> it's, it's, it's an incredibly long song. You're right. But that's, yeah. I mean, that whole album is, it literally takes the entire length of one CD. Like the maximum capacity you can fit on a CD is how long that album is. It's like 74 and a half minutes or something. Yeah, like and that. I don't have a problem with long songs. One of my favorite singers is Meatloaf. So yeah, he doesn't make I any just, short I songs. I listen to an 11 minute song. I, I don't want it to be painful. <laughs> All right. So unfortunately listeners, you're going to miss the first five minutes of this song. Because I had to cut to when they actually started singing to pair it up with the original lyrics. So here we go. You think that people would have had enough? Silly love song. It isn't so Some people want to fill the world With silly love songs What's wrong talk first what oh me um mm-hmm. i i i unabash, unabashedly love red house painters first of all i've never um, heard of them although mark kozelik who is red house painters has gone on to flip his shit recently and uh his recent sun kill moon stuff is difficult to listen to to say the least um, oh my god yeah if you're saying that it's more different wow that's got to be interesting the stuff Back the stuff back when he was with 4AD, and then when he went on to uh, this album on Island, he he just he writes these beautiful songs that are just I mean they're heartbreaking. And and he took a song that is you know is, is for all intents and purposes again using that phrase a very poppy love song to kind of counteract what was being said about Paul McCartney's writing style, and he took it and turned it into you know something else i mean the lyrics lended themselves to a different take on what the meaning was behind it and i think he was successful despite what you two are about to say (laughs) (laughs) josh what do you think about this one i discovered the song on accident while looking for the song from moulin rouge (laughs) um and the first time i heard it i actually kind of hated it but there was something there that made me give it another shot and while I don't love it, I don't hate it. This is probably my least favorite of all of the covers. But on a second listen, 
I did appreciate what they were trying to do. And I was like, okay, I understand where this song fits. This song fits in the independent movie romantic comedy where somebody dies at the scene where somebody dies. I was like, okay, looking at it from that way, I don't love it, but I don't hate it. And I understand it. Well, I'm kind of, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. For me, it's just, it's full of too much slow jazz and emo angst. And I just, I, 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 I mean, again, not trying to shit on your, your choice, Joel, but I unabashedly hated this song. <laughs> Neither of those things, but okay. Well, that, felt- that's what the song is. I mean, it just, to, to me, like, I mean, first of all, the first five minute, like, guitar solo intro, whatever it was, was just really not good. I mean, it was just choppy and, and just not flowing. It, it reminded me way too much of bad jazz. I, I, I have notes on this song. <laughs> <laughs> The first word I wrote down was pretentious. Um, just the and then I I suppose I might have had a better f- feel for this song if it wasn't one third the length of a sitcom. Um, it's, oh, half the length sitcom. Half, okay, okay, half half length of this. It's I just that in that whole lead up intro it just got it was like all right, cool, I get it you're you're i go i get what you're going for this you know if it had been like a two minute guitar solo whatever you know half that time okay cool it's like it's like the um uh, i want to be sedated we're doing the opposite of what the original was admittedly they had lost me during that five minutes if it had been a little shorter i might have been a little more open to you know the the vibe of the song but i really i mean honestly i really was like actually frustrated i'm like are they ever going to start singing Mm mm-hmm Especially when you're sitting there waiting to record it too for the show. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's like, oh, they're still playing. I just, I just, it, it, I, you know, Joel, I know this is, I don't know if this is the same of like, this is what he does in his other songs. I, I'm not familiar with the Red House Painters at all, but this seems to me to like when you go out to an open mic night and you get the guy who's a music, I'm I'm the musician. He goes up there and he's like all hunched over the guitar and he's playing and he's in his groove and all that. And everyone's like, Oh Christ, you know, let's, (laughs) well, not let's go out and have a cigarette because he's going to be doing this for a little while. Um, I just, I could not, I could not listen to, I, I will tell you right now, I will never listen to this song again, not even accidentally. What, um, what what did you think of this song the first time you heard it, Joel? I like well, I, I I love the whole album. I mean, the first time I I put the, the put it on at the record store, um, the very first song caught my attention, and I immediately as soon as the whole album was over, I I played it again just because it hit a spot for me and and does. And I I wasn't familiar with the Wings version of it honestly until I heard this, and then I went back and listened to it, and I kind of got the you know the counterpoint point counterpoint to it um and he is he he's he is that guy but it's who he is in real life i mean when he first started playing he couldn't face the audience when he was singing because he was too nervous and now so he, he's bought into his own hype and that's kind of the the problem with what he's doing now but so he, he played with his back to the to the audience uh-huh yep when he first started but now he uh he, he is he, the guy at the coffee shop. He yeah, believes he uh, the hype that he is, you know, some sort of uh, you know, what everybody says he is and he's 
just putting out shit these days, unfortunately. Well, Mike and I need to send him an email then. <laughs> Try to deflate that ego a little bit. <laughs> I wish somebody would, because uh, <laughs> we're going to go to one of his concert with the concerts with a box of shoes. <laughs> <laughs> the last three albums he's put out have been. I I couldn't even listen to him. I just I, I was like, wow, what are you doing, Mark? What are you doing? So, well, I'm definitely right. not going to listen to that then. <laughs> I know if you're saying this, this is the gateway drug into that stuff. I'm, I'm just going to stay away. All right. So following it up to the very end, Josh. Yeah, I, I was wondering why you guys thought this song was completely depressing when I missed <laughs> Joel's entry in the notes. <laughs> All right. So we have astronomy. That originally covered, originally done by um, Blue Oyster Cult, is covered by Metallica in the Garage Inc. Uh, album that we all thought was released a hell of a lot later than it actually was, uh, 1998. So here we go. So this is going to require some story time just in general, because uh, as I may have mentioned at one point or another in the last coming up on what, four years on the show, uh, Metallica is the group I have seen between the, the Master of Puppets tour and the Reload tour more times than any other band live. And uh, Garage Inc., uh, I, I was one of the very few people who was already really into this album when they were on the tour for it. And it is their entire covers album. And this is nowhere near the most popular cover. Uh, it's, this has got uh, Whiskey in the Jar, which is my favorite cover on there. It's got Turn the Page, Tuesday's Gone. But if you're already familiar with the album, you know those covers. Some of them even got radio play. Astronomy is this it's cover of this weird 
ethereal sci-fi song that wasn't popular when Blue Oyster Cult did it. And Metallica just transformed it into something else. You've got the cool, weird sci-fi lyrics, but when you mix it with the heavy metal, for me, it just feels like Dungeons and Dragons role-playing game where you've got all of the weird images and the the mysterious four winds bar with the doors that don't go anywhere and the clock. And just like it, it affected me immediately the first time I heard it. Oh, James Hetfield could make anything sound cool. So. Oh, yeah. And I think in this one, he his voice and the the metal behind it. Um, it definitely adds to the ambiance of the song. What I what I think needs to happen I personally think Blue Oyster Cult and Metallica need to tour together and do this song together. Um, That'd be awesome. That actually would be awesome. <laughs> I, I looked it up. I'm trying to try, you know, because I was like, oh, is Blue Oyster Cult still touring? You know, are they still out there? Yeah. Wednesday, May 24th, Cedar Rapids, Iowa, U.S. Cellular Center. And I will admit, I would never have appreciated the original song without this version. Uh, this version, in my mind, is a thousand times better. Uh, I did eventually come to love the original, but uh, this this is my definitive version as far as I'm concerned. I think I think my problem is I just don't like the song, period. And you yeah. know, even though it's Metallica and I like Metallica very much, I don't know. I just I don't I don't think the lyrics are as good as as you do. Mm. So. Well, I mean, the lyrics you got to look at them for what they are. I mean, it's, the lyrics are coming from when when was the original? The original one was done in 1974. Things are kind of trippy. Yeah, it's got a very seventies prog rock feel. This this weird creature who calls himself Desdenova and walking into clocks and through mirrors. Drugs. Yeah. Drugs. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I I, yeah, no. I agree with Pat on this. I don't care for the song as a whole. I think the Metallica version is better than the Blue Easter Cult version, but I just I it doesn't do anything for me, unfortunately. Yep. Whereas Whiskey in a Jar was an amazing cover. I love um, that song. It, it's the obvious one, and I almost went with it anyway. But I just my feel on it was part of this show is wanting to expose people to stuff that we love that they might not know. Obviously, if you haven't heard all of Garage Inc., you should listen to Whiskey in the Jar. You should listen to Tuesday's Gone. You should check out their version of Turn the Page. I think their version of Tuesday's Gone is better than Leonard Skinner's. Well, and that's another thing. Go back to Garage Days Revisited and hear a bunch of other great cover songs that they did of songs yeah. you may or may not know. Yeah. 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 And Turn the Page, uh, I, I think, is even better than the Seeger version, and I love the Seeger version. What? No. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no. No. Plus, <laughs> I, I, I turn it on Firestein all of a sudden. Oh, my God. Oh, no. click. I got to hear a really weird version <laughs> yeah, of their Turn the Page. Uh, I got to hear live them doing Turn the Page with Kid Rock. Oh, yeah, oh I've heard that. You lost me. Oh, dude, that's I, I was not a Kid Rock fan till I saw him live. I know. I don't like him now, but it's you get a different perspective on seeing the show he puts on and another different one when you listen to him from the last 10 years. I mean, Bill Cosby is a great comedian. Doesn't mean I have to like him. I get you. No, I don't like him now either, but uh, I, I do have to say that that was a very entertaining live show when he did turn the page with them. Josh, I'm with you on this one. I like it. Ah, you're is, wrong. Yeah, you think so. But I mean, this this style of the prog rock stuck from the 70s is kind of what led into the new wave music of the 80s. 
Yeah. It was was that kind of transformation. So it's kind of like, you know, I'm a big new wave fan. So this is almost like going back to the roots type of thing for me. I enjoy this type of thing. It's, you know, that goofy story behind it, you know, with sci-fi, all this, you know, you know, almost major, you know, not a a little bit major Tom on acid again, major major Tom on acid twice. Yeah. Um, That sort of thing. You look at the background for what we think of as like D&D music, and it's all like prog rock through classic rock and then into metal. And this kind of blends all of the different musical influences from sci-fi fantasy music. That's why I like it. I'm so into sci-fi fantasy that it just it, it hits the right spot for me. Right. Good stuff. All right. So there you go. And um, if you are looking for it, I am actually going to post the link to our uh, Spotify playlist on the show notes for this also. So if you want to listen to all the songs, except for Tom Jones kiss, for some reason, that's not on Spotify. (laughs) (laughs) Can't figure that one out. If it shows up between then, I'll, I'll put it in there. Now, I'd like you to call us at 708 now Wrap. That's 708-669-9727. And normally I'd say, tell us about the stuff we missed out on. But this is definitely a subject we're going to revisit. Mm-hmm. So, like, hold your wrath because we didn't get to your favorite cover. Uh, you can give us a suggestion. But uh, keep in mind, this is the first time we decided to cover this. And we realized when putting the show together, there's more here for a second one of these. Oh, yeah. In fact, we were talking about making this an annual show like we do with the uh, the uh, Billboard Top 10. So if you like it, let us know. You know, if you have some ideas and some great covers that you that you've loved, uh, definitely let us know. If you want to yell at Joel and for any, any listen to that song yeah, or any good reason, <laughs> you know, you can yeah, just in general, if you want to yell at Joel. So but Joel, what are we doing next week? Elmo says, fuck you. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we are not doing Elmo then and now. Uh, Poor Elmo. I'll be doing Elmo. Uh, Uh, When we get to the then from then, we might might wish we were. I don't know what's next week. Uh, Look at the show notes. (laughs) Dr. Strange. Dr. Strange, yes. It said Dr. Who in the show notes. Did it? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) It says Dr. Strange now. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, we are going to be looking at the original weird late 70s Doctor Strange movie, God Help Us. And of course, we're going to be looking at the Marvel Cinematic Universe Doctor Strange. We, we missed it when it was brand new, but we're, we're going back to it now that we have our take on it. And now yeah. that we found the made for TV movie, so I don't have to read 200 comic books. Yeah, yeah, that would be the other way to do the show yeah. is to try and bring Pat up to speed. You think it, there's only 200 comic books? Oh my god! <laughs> Wish it was that easy. <laughs> All right, so everybody, thank you for listening. And uh, if you, uh, you want to plug episode 200 real quick again, so people know. Yeah, but episode 200. Currently, we're at episode 187. In just over 10, we're going to be doing for our 200th show, Doctor Who. Um, we range all the way from never seen it to Me. <laughs> all the way to I bathe in it daily. Joel. Which is Joel. <laughs> um, and uh, Joel's actually done us, a, done us a favor and put it together almost like a playlist for us on episodes that we need to see uh, in the old and then in the now. So, uh, yeah, look forward to episode 200. And we're going to be finally covering Doctor Who. And 201 is the prisoner. Not really. <laughs> All right. So thanks for listening. And that's a red house painters in case you want to know. All right. Good night. Juliana go. (laughs) Bye-bye.
Get it? It's the Blake babies. Oh. Oh, okay. Oh, Robert Blake, you murdering toddler. I'm hot, you're cold, you're young, and I'm old. Da, ba, da, ba, do, da, day. No, but you got to do it in the robot's voice. That would break Pat. <laughs> See, he's thinking about it, and he's breaking. I'm hot, you're cold, and you're young, and I'm old. Da, ba, da, ba, do, da, day, Pat. <laughs>